You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom at Eater, I'm Amanda Klute. And I'm Daniel Janine. And this is Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. With a little help from the biggest names in the world of food, we try to understand what's happening right now in kitchens, restaurants, and dining rooms around the world. Today on the show, we are talking about babies in bars. How to do it, how to bring your baby to a bar, how not to do it, why it's a thing, and why it pisses people off so much. Daniel, welcome back. Thank you. So while you were traveling, mm-hmm. a piece went up on Eater mm-hmm. called How to Bring a Baby into a Bar. Right. Very straightforward. This is my advice based on my experience, mm-hmm. how to do this thing that you probably want to do. And the commentary on social media was shocking to me. Yeah. All negative. Right. People very upset. And I would like to read them out. The tweet says, the right way to bring a baby into a bar. The response, don't. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Next one. I don't know. Have a drink at home. Most of them just say never. Don't. Nope. All caps. Mm Mm-hmm. I go to bars to escape babies. Yeah. One of them even has a gift from that one scene in Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, my God. Look at you. Oh, fancy. Look at you. You have a baby. In a bar. Hell, I this got other person says, step one, hire a damn sitter, you troglodytes. Okay. Literally hundreds of comments. Right. Almost all negative. Yeah. And it was shocking to me because I live in my bubble of being a parent of two kids. I brought them both to bars right. when they were very little. So if we were to zoom out for a second, though, I feel like the what we're talking about here is as someone that's been covering this world for a long time, you were surprised with how... We were surprised with the reaction to the statement, not necessarily that it's a big a sticking point for you in your life. No, yeah, I was just surprised. Maybe I should have known this, mm-hmm. but that it's just such a divisive issue. That it wasn't just yeah. a couple people saying like, oh, don't do it, and then a bunch of people saying, no, it's great. It's just like so many people so angry. So what we want to do is dig into why this is a thing that is so polarizing. All right, so first we're going to talk to Kate Wilski, who has written about bringing babies to bars. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So you have a five-month-old. You have brought the baby to bars. Tell us your tips for parents who want to do this and do it in the right way and not the wrong way. Well, I think you need to keep in mind primarily what the ultimate purpose of the bar is and respect that. It's for people to hang out, relax, have a drink, and... Ultimately, if your baby is impeding others from doing that, you need to change your strategy. So 
we're not going to bring her to a venue where there's a lot of people who are really like looking to throw back shots and, you know, be there till the end of the night. Good to look for more of a low key atmosphere, like a brew pub or like a beer garden, someplace where there's food and lots of space and lots of ambient noise. Yeah, I brought a two month old to a cocktail bar once on a Saturday night at eight o'clock and it did not go well. (laughs) I immediately regretted my decision as soon as I got there. So thinking about the space, really picking the venue correctly so that you're not going to be disrupting it for everyone when you walk in. People are not pumped when you're, for instance, asking them to move their chairs so that you can fit the stroller next to you and rock it back and forth to keep your baby from crying. I mean, this is very obvious to me, but can you talk about why parents want to go to bars? Having a baby is really hard. (laughs) Little known facts. And for us, at least, we spend so much more time in our house than we used to before we had a baby, just because you're beholden to nap schedules and bedtimes. And you just need to reconnect with what your life was before you had a child sometimes. And a bar is a really easy way to do that because you're not committing to a sit down dinner. You don't have to plan like a trip to a museum or a vacation. It's just, you know, an hour or two of your day where you can go have a beer, feel like an adult again for a minute, relax. But don't you think part of what is like refreshing about being in a bar with a baby is like the fact that inherently it's not the place you should be? Yeah. I mean, there is something kind of that feels like extra fun about, you know, ordering a Negroni and drinking it while I'm bouncing my baby on my lap. I'm not really sure what that is. I guess it feels like a little bit like transgressive or like, hey, I'm a cool mom. Like I drink with my baby. I'm sure there's many different schools of thought on this, but I like to bring my baby out in the world in different environments. And every baby is so different, but for our baby, at least, she loves being out in the world and looking at people and seeing things. And I think that it's important to not sequester your child inside. I think hanging out in a place where there's adults and children and looking around and observing things is a good thing for them. But I think I think to your point, yeah, it, it might feel transgressive, but it is, I think, pushing the culture forward. Like we should be more open to seeing parents everywhere and we should not be segregating babies to baby things and adult single adults to single adult things. For sure. What do you feel like the reaction is online when you write something like this? Are people angry about it? Do you notice that people are like more aggressive than you would expect? Um, Yes, (laughs) Uh, 100%. There were a lot of angry comments about this particular piece, basically saying that uh, anyone who brings their baby to a bar is a bad parent. I guess I'm not that surprised because parenting is a very, very touchy issue and people love to get super judgy about the way other people parent. Mm. People get really angry about this topic. (laughs) Thanks so much for calling in. Awesome. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, thanks so much for talking. This was fun. So, Daniel, it seems like in this modern age, people have a lot of strong feelings about babies and bars as if it's a new thing, but it is not a new thing. Mm -mm. So we asked Alison Grasso, a beer aficionado and filmmaker, to join us to provide some historical context for this debate. Welcome, Alison. Hi, thanks for having me. So babies and bars is not a new thing. Can you walk us through some of the history about babies and families and bars and breweries? 
So actually, I think this predates bars. In Europe, historically, different regions developed different beverages, largely in a response to the fact that during the Middle Ages, thousands of years ago, there were a lot of issues with sanitation and hygiene, and water was often not safe to drink. So in the southern parts of Europe, you had um, Spain and France and Italy, where the climate and topography were friendly to developing uh, wine, growing grapes. And so northern countries, more like Belgium, Germany, they did not have the climate or topography for grapes, so they developed beer. So that was just kind of the beverage of the day in this part of the world. But they were typically like more low ABV, substitute for water, sometimes even a meal substitute, and the sort of thing a farmer might drink during the day while they're plowing the field, and it would be on the table at dinner time. And this is just a regular part of life, no different than bread or cheese or something you would have as a meal or with a meal. So, you know, as communities develop, you need gathering places, and that would be maybe your town your town hall, your town square. So if this is just kind of what you have, then and you bring your family because you don't have a babysitter and this is the only way of getting together and sharing information. And this is all just kind of the evolution of regular life. And I mean, when I was in Belgium, I talked to loads of people there. I was like doing content on Belgian beer and just would ask them like, you know, tell me about Belgian beer culture. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? That's like someone walking in here and being like, tell me about milk. You'd be like, what? It does seem very stringent where drinking time, it's for adults and it's at night and it happens in these cordoned off places. Right. Whereas in Europe, it's much more common to drink at lunch. It's much more common to see kids everywhere all the time, like running around the plazas and restaurants and bars. You know, in Europe, it was always a thing. In the United States, it wasn't so much because, you know, everybody came over here. You got the Puritans, you got religion, you've got you know, mm-hmm. social prohibitions and all this sort of thing against booze and alcohol. And then the literal prohibition. And then literal prohibition that was put into place by who I like to call the fun police, you know, all the sort of people um, who just don't want anyone to have a good time. I think that did change things, too, in the United States. I feel like to me this isn't really about babies. It's what babies represent. Interesting. Do you like what do you what do you think a baby represents in a bar? A maturity, I guess. I don't know. The next phase of life. It's like it's like leaving one phase of life and entering another. We're all living in this kind of state of like delayed leveling up because mm-hmm. like we want to hang on to things like going to the bar with our friends or like having a day out or whatever. And so it's like you see people with kids there, too, and you're kind of like, you can have it all or like, <laughs> can yeah. you? You know, it's like mm-hmm. it feels like, hmm, like what? They're trying to sell me something. They're trying to sell me this idea oh, right. of having like, a kid. Like, oh, this can this can work for right. me. That's a lot of what I pick up from the online debate and like yeah. wait, from those blog it's debates from Fucked and Park Slope. It's it's this whole idea of like, oh, the breeders are taking over, and it's like, <laughs> dude, these it's they're just we're all part of the same team here. Like, yeah. why do you have to make it about like these people versus these people? That's that's such an interesting thing. And I feel like that's also kind of like a hot topic right now is like birth rates are falling and like why? And mm-hmm. and it's also a huge financial thing. Like can't people can't afford it or they feel like they can't afford it. And so it's like, right, does are the, we now looking at this person in the bar with the baby? Like, oh, how much money do they have that right. they can have a baby mm-hmm. and bring them to the bar on Saturday? Oh, it must right. be they nice. Can pay for, yeah. Right. No, babies are the like, new Rolexes. Uh, that is, yeah, right. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're drinking craft beer all the time. Mm-hmm. So this episode about babies and bars wouldn't be complete without me bringing a baby to a bar. 
So we are going to go over to one of my favorite spots. It is a place called The Fly in Bedsty near my house. And we're going to talk to one of the restaurant's partners about running a family-friendly bar and restaurant. We are here at The Fly with Niles Fallon and some very special guests, which are my children. <laughs> Can you say hi, Ansel? Hi. From your time in the industry and also as a parent, what's your what's your take? It's funny because when we were building this out, my son was a year old, mm -hmm. and there were multiple conversations that came up amongst my partners and and my wife, and it was like I really wanted this to be a place where I could bring my son. Right. There aren't enough places that allow that to happen. My wife and I were in Mexico City when our child was one, and like every other restaurant someone was like let me hold your baby for you mm -hmm. so you can eat right. you know it's just a different uh, it doesn't happen here i think it's cultural i think it's it's kind of weird and also especially in new york city it's a little silly to be like we're cool with all different crazy different walks of life with no kids it's yeah. like i don't know come on have you seen parents do things that you wish they didn't do i mean i really think that my only pet peeve with it or like point where it starts to get frustrating for me is when a child is constantly screaming. You know, if it, it, it happens for a moment and you try and calm your kid down, like that's pretty normal, but just going and going and going and the parents like making a very clear effort of they're like, nope, I'm not gonna pick you up. We're not right. gonna go outside. You need to be quiet in the restaurant. And it therefore becomes like a learning and discipline experience for the <laughs> entire <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and honestly, in bars in particular, I mean, I've never thrown a child out of here, but I've thrown out many adults for yes. <laughs> drinking too much, being rude, or uh, harassing the staff, or any number of things that come from a multitude of guests that we're serving. Um, honestly, kids are very low on our radar for <laughs> problematic guests. Okay, so Daniel, we've talked to a bunch of people about babies in bars, and I think I still want to talk a little bit more with you about why we think people get so angry because I'm coming to believe that there are two main camps. Okay. One is this argument that it's an inappropriate place mm -hmm. for a child and that you are you are being a bad parent to do it. So kind of like judgy parents and also people who just think like it is inappropriate. Right. Second and I camp. think the second camp is People who are upset that you are you're messing Killing with their space, their vibe. Killing the vibe. I'm yeah. trying to pick up on some ladies, yep. and there's a baby there, and it's messing things up. Or yeah. I'm on a date, and I want sexiness, and I'm sitting next to a baby. There's a stroller. Yeah. Like the most unsexy thing of all time is a stroller. I obviously curse more than I would like, mm -hmm. and when there is a baby in the elevator with me, I usually still curse, but I feel bad about it because you know they are. They are yet untainted by yeah. the scourge of humanity. I am trying to keep them that way, at least. <laughs> so it makes from you my... behave in a different way I now want... that there's a baby. All I'm saying is, I'm, I don't want to rip a shot I in wanna, front of a baby. I don't want to rein things in. I don't want to be like, mm -hmm. "Yo, Neil, let's go, let's Jager bomb in uh -huh. front of a baby," uh -huh. because I don't want the baby to know what a Jager bomb is. What about on a date? Yeah. Have you experienced this where you're on a date and there's like at a bar and there's a baby there? Does it like mess with you? I've never or been is on that... a date. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it does it kill my vibe? Like, do you think some single people just don't want to be faced with this potential future, or they don't like what it represents? Yeah. Like, or is it just like sexiness killer? <laughs> yeah, the different the cycle of life. I 
personally, I mean, I find that I navigate best in unorthodox environments. Like, I want as much disturbance to go on sure. during my. I, I floss. Big bonus. I, yeah, for you. I flail when things are status quo. Uh-huh. So if there's a baby and a parent to interact with, I, I at least now, obviously, after like, listening, I've got an icebreaker to now. this podcast yeah. and really understanding all these this controversy, I feel like I could level with those people. And be like, good for you. You know, you're really showing your baby the world. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I, you know what? I may end up going home with the family just as friends and leaving the girl behind. <laughs> does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, I, it does. I can't imagine myself getting upset about this. Mm-hmm. That's just because I would adapt. I would act slightly differently. But maybe yeah. that's a problem. Like, I would act differently. Therefore, the thing shouldn't be there. Right. I don't know. Remember you told me that there's a window where you can do anything with the baby because they just sleep. That's Yeah, yeah, like zero to four months. You could just go out all the time because the baby just sleeps constantly. Yeah, once they start walking, they immediately pick up on my insecurity and they fuck with me so hard. (laughs) Yeah, you're not bringing a walking baby to a bar at night. So maybe this is a, a larger picture question, but as family norms start to shift and it is no longer that the wife stays home Mm -hmm. with the child, the places that you see babies are going to start to change, right? Sure. Yeah. I do think some of this does go back to gender because it's often going to be the mom bringing the baby to the bar. Mm -hmm. And I think if if dads were the ones taking care of kids more, you might have seen that sooner or more (laughs) often. (laughs) People maybe wouldn't care as much. Yeah. Um, But there is this kind of, I don't know, stereotype of of mommy juice and moms drinking home alone with the kid once it hits five o'clock. That's so like weird and depressing. And it's oh, yeah. like, let's all like be out in the open about what we're doing and that this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> mommy. mommy juice. <laughs> What's so crazy about this is you were like, we have take your kids to work day to show people that your coworkers with babies are the same. And like, that is how family life works. <laughs> and you're like, it's not about like letting your babysitter, your daycares take a day off or your babysitter have a day. And I was like, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think when they're older, it's also about teaching them like what you what do goes all day on. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of it is to try to model out like, oh, they're, people have complex and different lives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and parents, to Kate's point, they need a break. They need a drink. Like, let them have it. It's right. Fine. All right, Amanda, when we get back from break, we are going to go over the biggest food stories of the week. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We are at that point in the show where we run through the biggest food stories of the last week. In this case, the last two weeks. We separate them with the sound of a ding like this. And uh, I got nothing else to say. Let's... Let's just jump in. There was a story on Eater about how the new alt straw is a pasta straw. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you went out and bought a bunch. How many? How many did you buy? Uh, a thousand. And why? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an easy answer. That was the minimum order size. <laughs> you know, you try ordering... Ten pasta straws. Yeah, you can't. So the idea is... It's like a big bucatini. Yeah. You can drink your liquids through it's it. So it's so funny to me that you find this so interesting. I love it. Well, okay, I, go on. Well, I read the story and I thought, huh, pasta straw. That's stupid. But maybe it does work mm-hmm. because paper straws often don't work. They disintegrate. Yeah. We all agree plastic straws probably bad for the yep. world. Yep. Uh, what's the next alt straw? Let's give this a try. I did not expect you to order a thousand of them and then lug Do you them. Know me? I know. <laughs> okay. And then lug them into the office. Yeah, it was heavy. It's and, heavy. They're heavy. <laughs> That's the first thing I noticed about first them. First thing, ding against pasta straws. They're heavy. They're heavy. Heavy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Second ding. I tried drinking one and uh, it tastes. <laughs> it tastes like pasta. Yeah. There's, you know, that the story was there's going to be no discernible flavor. Not true. They don't impart pasta taste. They they indeed do. Also, can I make a complaint, mm-hmm. lodge a complaint, and that is that part of the reason you wanted to talk about this here, and this is the only reason I thought you wanted to talk about this here was to just get me to say pasta over and no, over again. No, I was just joking. Okay. I actually like talking about it because <laughs> yeah. I think there's so many flaws that are obvious, and yet here we are. So I got a message from someone on Instagram who said that they use them at their restaurant, and he is a big fan. And he was a, he thinks that they hold up for a long period of time, and they're kind of like cute, and uh, they work really well. So the that one, that was before I used them. So right. I was like, these are going to be like, great, great, great. Yeah. future of straws. Yeah, and people I've found are very open to them, and there's something very cute about it's the fact cute. that they're past. People that. loved seeing them and taking one or ten. Let me tell you when when the cuteness dries up for me. That's mm-hmm. not an expression, mm-hmm. but. We're going to leave it. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're going to leave it. Cool. Sure. When you put it in a coffee, an iced coffee, or anything. Or <laughs> literally anything. Yeah. And within about 20 minutes, it starts to look like a sponge. Yeah. And it starts to get real moist, the real wet, malleable. The, the wet part is discolored. The starch starts floating around in the water. Yeah, my water had a lot of floaties. Yeah. A lot of floaties from the pasta. So you don't think they're the future, eh? I Now I don't. Though... Maddie, our coworker, was drinking some sort of matcha drink, mm-hmm. and it worked out real well for her. So I think if you have a flavored drink yeah. that's not water, yeah, maybe it could work. Maybe you just have to pair it with the correct. I also freaked you out because I went over and grabbed one and just took a bite out of it. Daniel, yeah, likes to eat his pasta straw at the end. Um, 
here's Which what could I've, be a bonus. Maybe a huge bonus, especially great. if you're drinking something like a chocolate milk and then you have... <laughs> you just want to eat your chocolate pasta straw. Here's what I find really interesting about it is like if I brought in a box of pasta and just left it on the table somewhere, no one in their right mind would want to cook it. Like they might, if they were going to have pasta at home or something, they'd be yeah. like, oh, I'm going to cook my pasta. For some reason, every single person I have shown this bag of pasta straws to is like, can you cook them? Let's cook them. <laughs> It's like they're not. It's why do we want to do that? So tempting. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you do that yesterday in the office? You microwaved some. Yeah, water I did. Yeah. yeah but... <laughs> a Perth vegan has taken her neighbours all the way to the Supreme Court. There was the a woman in Perth who is t- taking a complaint against her neighbours all the way up to the Supreme Court. Oof. Her name is Scylla Cardin, and. She believes that her neighbors are deliberately trying to antagonize her by grilling fish, uh, smoking cigarettes, and playing basketball. Ooh. Yeah. Trifecta. They've put it so you you smell fish. All I smell is fish. There's a couple things. I mean, clearly she is probably maybe overreacting a little bit. Maybe? Well, this is- Supreme Court, maybe? It's a little, it's a slight overreaction. The thing is, if you're trying to antagonize a vegan, you don't cook fish- you cook meat. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yes, you would probably cook meat. Whatever is the stinkiest. Yeah. If you're really trying to antagonize a vegan. But I just feel like, you know, the blood of the animals is on our hands is so much more. So you much have to more ask about. the vegan because they don't eat fish or meat. I'll so. reach out to her. Do you think they're doing this on purpose? Oh, absolutely. Of course they are. It's deliberate. That's what I said to the court. It's deliberate. They've just banged the, the wall at any time when I've been sleeping. Then their kids with their basketballs, they're just banging and vib- it vibrates the, this part of the house. Saying that they're intentionally, they're, ba- they're playing basketball just to get to her, it's like, it's just so like, do you know how basketball works? There's right. a, it's a bouncy ball. It's a, it's a, lot, of, Inten- a lot of bouncing balls. Yeah, would you rather they curled in the backyard? Like, if they were intentionally trying to do it, they could just get an air horn or something. <laughs> It's been devastating. It's been a turmoil. There's been unrest. Um, I haven't been able to sleep. An interesting twist to the story, there was a big Facebook group that started um, after after Nine News aired this story about her taking her neighbors to the Supreme Court. There was an event that was created (laughs) called... Called community barbecue for Scylla Cardin. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> so mean. That's mean. But you join know, us for a community barbecue in protest of her actions and help Scylla Cardin get some pork on her fork. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they took it too far. But, you know, she took it too far. Don't go to the Supreme Court with this shit. But the legal battles aren't over just yet. Scylla Cardin is vowing to return to court to continue the fight against her neighbours. If you're having a dispute, the first step is you should go next door and try and sort it out face to face. Because if you don't do it that way, um, you're going to be up for a world of misery. Amanda, there are two new-ish apps that are doing for restaurant workers what Uber has done for ride-sharing. They are called Paired and Instawork, and what they do is they give restaurants the capability to hire, using a similar gig economy model, to hire uh, chefs for their kitchens for just a shift. Mm -hmm. So you put out, hey, I need two dishwashers and a line cook, right? and it pairs you with people who are just waiting around to take jobs in different restaurants across cities. Yep. Wild. 
Wild. It's really wild. Wild and crazy. The story is in the New York Times, and it follows a chef named, or a cook chef named Christopher Mortensen, who goes from Osteria Morini to ABC Cocina to, mm-hmm. like, top kitchens in yeah. the city. couple of things I found immediately striking about this. First thing, these are top restaurants. These yeah. are top restaurants who you would expect to have people in them who like knew their systems intimately mm-hmm. and they were, they're not waiting for Christopher Mortensen to show up for that right. day. And and that I think just speaks to how dire the labor situation is. The labor is. situation is crazy. Yeah. It's so bad. But I, I also think as you know, in professional kitchens, you can kind of plug in to certain yeah, roles, absolutely. especially if you're talking about dishwasher or someone who's doing a lot of prep work. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to have a big enough kitchen where they're going to have a role that is repeatable. So like if you can have someone, not every kitchen is going to have someone on fry. I'm assuming these are mostly going to work at really big operations. operations. Yeah. I think the positive side of this development is that I'm going to talk about both. Oh, yeah. So the positive side, these people who are doing this work mm-hmm. are getting paid more than the everyday restaurant worker yeah. um, because they're in demand in this way. So they get to make $20 an hour where they would have been making 15 They get to have this variety in their life. Like the guy who they were talking to was just like burnt out by his job. So he yeah. liked just picking up shifts wherever he wanted to. The positive for the restaurant is they're, you know, they can be tight. You know, they they can be a lot more lean in their payroll. Well, and if someone no-shows, they have an option mm-hmm. versus just like calling everybody they know or calling other restaurants or whatever. Like there is an app for that now where, okay, I really am desperate mm-hmm. for a dishwasher right now and I'm going to have to pay through the nose for it, but at least I'm going to get the dishwasher because yeah. you end up paying much more to an app that's paying you know, higher rates and takes a cut. Yeah. The downside is I think it's a little scary thinking that – the what Uber has done could come for restaurants. You know, this is an industry where you train and you work your way up and it's not known for great benefits, but there are restaurant groups where you do can have benefits and grow and build a career for yourself. And this is kind of subverting that. Well, I think that that speaks to the larger problem with Uber in general. Yeah. Which is that you're replacing steady careers with this gig economy work. They picked someone to profile in this, Chris Mortensen, that is just the perfect person because he is pumped about checking out different kitchens. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, I walk between the restaurants. I yeah. love seeing New York in this way. Yeah, it puts a weird positive spin where weird you think like most of the dishwashers spin. working on this are just like they can't get a real dishwasher job. Therefore, or they have to do this. The thing actually about the dish, if they are earning more, it's actually not terrible because the likelihood is they wouldn't have health benefits anyway. Right, true. So maybe it's just it's it's additional income at the expense of not having consistent work. Mm-hmm. You know what this this reminds me of that's crazy is whenever I listen to podcasts with like the old guard French chefs talking about the heyday, mm-hmm. or the, the golden years of New York City dining or even like Wolfgang Puck, they had resumes and waiting lists to just stage in their restaurants yeah. for years. You know, now when when I meet people who are thinking about cooking and they're like, oh, I dreamed to work in whatever XX restaurant, I'm like, don't dream about it. You can Even go. without any experience, there are very few kitchens that would turn down someone with a good attitude that has never stepped foot in a kitchen before. Yeah, I mean, I heard this from two different restaurateurs recently that in, in the old days or mm-hmm. even five years ago, if someone no-showed, they're fired. 
Now yeah. someone no-shows, and you might take them off their current role. Now someone no-shows, it's your fault. Yeah, you're right. like, uh, just go work at this other restaurant. So like, work at my my other restaurant so that people here don't see that I'm letting you keep your job, but like, I need you. Well, when I worked in in kitchens, like there was a guy who would no show, and he would be like, they'd be mad at him for two days, but he was pretty quick on the line, <laughs> and they'd get over uh, it real okay. fast. <laughs> yeah, he spent some time in some places that weren't home, and he was allowed uh, back in oh. to yeah to to do his job. Love that guy, but um, it's amazing how when you need workers, mm-hmm. the the traditional. Um, standard of punishment is completely, is completely, right, right. Now completely like, thrown please, out the door. Please come back. One other positive to this app that I just thought of is yeah. that if you want to open your own restaurant and want to see the inner workings of all of the biggest deal restaurants in New York City, mm-hmm. you could sign up, do a bunch of shifts, and that's like competitive analysis. I mean, things like this make me want to. You always hear fairy tales of like big time lawyers who stage on the weekends. Mm -hmm. True. You could be tired of your day job in some office and you're like, I just want to see what John George is like. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I should look. We should look more into this, but I'm sure that there are varying levels. Well, and you can get ratings from people, yeah. and they can recommend you, and so it's not just like you or me, right? Uh, you are trained, so it's not just like me trying this. But I think if there was a rating, like if we're talking Uber stars, maybe I'd be like a two and a half, and you'd be a one and a half. Like I don't think. Well, I think we'd be at, we'd be at different levels tears yeah. and then we'd be five stars for our quality of work oh thanks yeah you have a good work ethic I'm on the line kidding. right yeah. yeah 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 but i know this is going to shock you but i am distractible <laughs> <laughs> all right so maybe you're in a better better career i would have things when i was cooking where i would do i would make the same mistake for like the 14th time and it was like past anger and my chef would just be like are you serious <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even mad anymore. It's just, how did you forget? You know LeBron James. The baller? Yeah. He is trying to trademark the phrase Taco Tuesday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked uh, our lead on the story. Like the third best bar and grill in your neighborhood, basketball superstar LeBron James really loves the concept of Taco Tuesday. So he's been kind of tweeting about Taco Tuesdays for a while now, trying to work it into his repertoire, make it a thing, Mm -hmm. eating tacos every Tuesday. So he made he applied to the trademark office, and his vision involves quote podcasting services Mm. as well as online entertainment services, namely providing a website featuring non-downloadable videos and social media posts in the field of sports, entertainment, current events, and popular culture. So what do you think of LeBron being a media mogul with a taco-centric publication slash podcast slash entertainment arm? So that's assuming that he's going to use the platform to talk about tacos. That would be my hope. I would love that. It's probably just a name that he thinks is cute that he's going to use for his own, for his media empire. For his media empire. Yeah, but what if it was just only published on Tuesdays, all about tacos from LeBron? See, I just don't have faith in humanity that someone would do something that elegant. <laughs> it would be so great. It'd be so great. That's just never going to happen, though. It's 
Well, also, someone else already owns the trademark to Taco Tuesday. Who? TGI Fridays or something? like? No, this guy um, or a company called Socrates? Ta- Taco John's, yeah. a Wyoming-based chain that claimed the trademark 30 years ago. That's, that's what I mean. Galileo? Sent, Who claimed it? I should just keep hundreds, saying the name of old people. Hundreds of cease and desist letters. Mm-hmm. Regardless, if LeBron wants to launch a food brand, I'm, I'm here for it. Obviously, it's huge traffic for Eater.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's it to me. Isn't that's an angle? Great angle. We got a thing to talk about LeBron, <laughs> which reminds me of the uh, one of my favorite Eater pieces recently has been. I love that we got into the iPhone 11 release, and it gotta was like, find your angle. Gotta Dan. find your angle, and it was like, here are the amazing ways that the iPhone 11 can help you take food <laughs> pictures. <laughs> I want to know, as a food lover, how will this affect my life? Yeah. Oh, I know. My food photos are going to be better. iPhone 11. Thank you, Eater. Thank you, iPhone. (laughs) The iPhone 11 was released today, um, which is relevant to us because Tim's last name is Cook. There we go. (laughs) There's a post. Put it on the site. (laughs) A rogue tomato grew on a stump in the middle of the water in the East River. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a huge story. I saw, I saw a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people professing their love for this tomato plant in the middle of the East River. Yeah, and it reminds me of a few other stories we've dealt with in the last year or so, which I will get to. But in a world where there are so many things that matter so much, uh-huh. it's amazing how much people cling on to like just a little little nugget of peace in the world, yeah. and everyone just everyone can gather around and praise this rogue tomato. <laughs> also, rogue tomato <laughs> is such a fun thing to say. That is pretty great. Yeah. Rogue tomato in the East Village. And how did this happen? Like a bird pooped out a tomato seed onto this piling? That's the best guess amongst the experts, because the person who is responsible for this region he was, was asked if he planted the tomato, and he said, absolutely not. Uh-huh. It's like, you can just say no. <laughs> you don't have to say absolutely. <laughs> How dare yeah, you right. assume that was my fault? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it was probably bird poo of yeah. of some kind. Well, bird poo. Um, but it just – it looks like a, a memorial. It's just – it's so elegant. And um, you know what it reminds me most of? Huh. And it doesn't have – it doesn't – it hasn't captured the hearts of New Yorkers in the same way. But it reminds me most of the hot duck that was – around in in Central Park. Oh yeah, the sexy last year. duck. Yeah. The sexy duck. For those who don't know, it was a mandarin duck of some kind that was floating around Central Park mm-hmm. and no one knew how it got there and yeah. the, the cut coined it the hot duck yep. or the sexy duck. Hot duck, yeah. And it was just something, it was a good-looking duck. I don't know. Beautiful I, duck. It's it's funny to me how how much buzz there can be around something that is so inconsequential. Yeah. I mean, especially these days, people love glomming onto an idea that is just positive and yeah. weird yeah. and not serious and political and depressing. I think that's why Pasta Pass does so well, the Olive yes. Garden never ending. <laughs> it's pasta just card. easy to wrap your head around it and you're like, this You know is, exactly this what is it is. Thing. There's a tomato floating in the middle of the water. Yeah. Can I tell you something that is going to get me in trouble? Yes. An idea I had about because I always obviously know I do some work in the video department. I, yeah, I know. I had thought that like a very evil video to do, which would just get so much attention, would be to to go capture the duck and cook it. Oh my god! 
there's something so evil and so irreverent about that that it just I can't that's stop. It's ter- terrible thinking about it. Is that <laughs> can't terrible? Stop thinking about I it. I just think I wouldn't do it personally, but I just think there there's something. Imagine like people wouldn't even know how to process someone who was that because it was it's not necessarily evil, but it's it's definitely evil. I mean, people eat ducks all the time. But to capture a Central Park duck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty evil. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. Okay. Yeah. I also had They this... would be protesting outside the office. Oh, yeah. Well, it they would be... shut us down. It wouldn't be. You think we get will, shut down? The world would down. shut us down. You think we get shut down for. for... <laughs> yes. Society would make sure for that na- we for could not exist For making Nashville hot, hot duck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, pl- the tomato plant reminded me of last week. I have a big plant by my window. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait to tell you another thing. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, we're going. I have a big plant by my window, uh-huh. uh huh, big house plant, and I walked by it the other week, and a giant mushroom was growing in it. Okay, and I think it's kind of like the tomato plant. Mushrooms that, are evil, though. I know it freaked me out. I I couldn't. Yeah. It, it grossed me out so much that I couldn't, I couldn't pluck it out of the plant. I had to have someone else do it. You had to have someone pluck out the mushroom. Yeah, I was like, Pablo, can you just please pull the mushroom out of the plant? I'm so fucking grossed out by it. I just don't like the idea that it just came into my house yeah. via spores in the wind. Yeah. And now there's a mushroom in my house. Yeah. And that's like the tomato plant, except it's a more positive. Yeah, you know, I'm willing to pay I love big money. Eating. I love eating mushrooms. Mushrooms are the top. Mushrooms are the top mm-hmm. vegetable, maybe. It's, yeah. Anyway, here's what I wanted to say. Yeah. I'm probably terrible for this, but see, for me, there is something actually more evil, more sinister about like tracking down the rogue tomato in the middle of the night and turning it into a caprese than there is going after the hot duck. Why? It's just the rogue tomato. It's a one tomato. It's th- this this tomato is our hope. They found a second one. They did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're good. You can go make your caprese. Get a canoe tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Eater's Digest. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you have any questions for us or any tips or ideas or things you want us to cover, send us an email at digest at eater.com. Please also tell a friend about the show. That is very helpful to us. Special thanks to Kate Wilski, Allison Grasso, and Niles Fallon. Also, big thank you to our producer, Martha Daniel. Oh, yeah. I'm Amanda Clute. Daniel Janine. Thanks so much. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.